welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we wonder if Black Widow has what it takes, find out what Bendis is up to at DC, feel the forces of destiny, and refuse to surrender. Stay tuned for all this and more! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! Oh, that beautiful sound we've all come to fear. Really, I think there should be a Heck Yeah Comics musical starring Moy. Sorry, wait, wait, wait. How did you just pronounce that? Heck, the Heck Yeah, the Heck Yeah song. Wait, so, how did you pronounce, how did you pronounce Moi? Moi? You said Moi. I said Moi. No, you said Moi. <laughs> I said Moi. This is a recorded thing. Let the record show that he said moy. Fake news. Oh, no. Don't you dare. Uh, I'm David Luzader. That's Nick Shermooksness. You're the listening audience, and this is the show where each week we talk about comic books and the latest releases and news about comic books and superheroes and all that good junk. <sighs> Nick? How far away are we from Avengers Infinity War? We are... Hold on, let me go to... Is Wolverine still dead? Wait, that's not the right website. Avengers Infinity War. If I knew you were going to ask me this question before the show, I would have had this ready. Yeah, that's why I'm testing it. Chris Evans, Avengers 4 photo, hints at huge Infinity War plot twist. Thanos dominates Avengers Infinity War's impressive rap. Hey, this is not what I asked Uh, Sorry, 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 sorry. It, It comes out May 4th, so weeks away. Months. Multiple months made up of multiple weeks. I can't, I'm not going to take the time to figure out exactly how many. But, but go on, David. Lead another on. another way that you failed me. That's just that's <laughs> fine. I just I guess I should expect it by now. I just I'm pretty sure I said in my application to be a co-host on this show that one thing I'm really not good at is being asked questions on the spot that involve calculating the passing of time. Hmm. Very specifically, put that under not skills. <laughs> that was a really, really weird section of your resume. Not skills. <laughs> Things, Things I cannot do. Uh, calculate the passage of time. <laughs> Be a good co-host. Well, you know, I, I'm one of those people where it's just like I kind of wake up every morning. Make and go a light like, wow, and fluffy meringue. What? Make a light and fluffy meringue. Your meringues are always really heavy. They are terrible, terrible. But they I want are. people to know that before they hire me. I it's think it's important to make meringues. Uh, what are we doing? Anyway, uh, the reason are, you're you're about to segue into something about uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe and yes. uh, take it away. Yes, I am. So, Nick, you actually are the one that told me about this last mm-hmm. last year, near the end of last year. That apparently, do as I say, not as I do. Continue. Right. That apparently, if you watch an MCU movie starting with Iron Man, 2008's Iron Man, if you watch one movie every week starting the week of uh, January 1st. Last week. Last week. You will watch all of them by the time Infinity War comes out. Like, you will be watching Black Panther the week I think that Infinity War comes out. Uh, I didn't do this math. Someone else did. But I have decided to take on that challenge. And, Nick, you said you were as well, but you've been failing. What's new? Uh, Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. as of this week, we're... we're... (laughs) 
We're two weeks in, and I have watched now Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk. Nick, these ones are easy for you to watch. Iron Man is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. The Incredible Hulk is on HBO Go. I don't have HBO Go anymore. Thanks for reminding me. But <sighs> We can talk later. But anyway, these two are some of the most easily accessible ones, uh, especially of the early ones. I have now watched them both. You guys might have forgotten that The Incredible Hulk is part of the MCU, but it is. And having rewatched it a couple days ago, it's not a very good movie. Really? Yeah. So I remember when I watched it, I'm not saying I was like, this is the best Hulk movie ever. That goes to the previous Hulk movie. Right, that goes to Eric Bana Hulk. Eric Bana, best Hulk forever and ever. Um, but I didn't mind Incredible Hulk. So why don't you dive in it's... real quick. What is it about Incredible Hulk that was so terrible? Um, the dialogue is not good. Uh, the acting is not great either. It's Edward Norton and William Hurt. William Hurt? Is it William Hurt? Uh, I don't, I th- as Thunderbolt Ross. Um, yeah. I think his name is William. I think it's William Hurt is the actor. Yeah, who comes back later on. Who from this movie should no longer be a general? He... Led in like authorized several very public military operations on U.S. soil that put so many people in danger. And mm, yeah, but this is also the Marvel universe I where know. Iron Man and Hulk can have a throwdown slugfest and somewhere in in Africa and. Well, it's, Iron Man's not in jail. It's the no, it's the same MCU where he has created Ultron, which who, who tried to destroy the world, and he he is like, oh yeah, that's my fault. I created Ultron. Whoops, my bad. And he has suffered no repercussions for it, right? From any right. standpoint. Um, so, is it public knowledge that he created Ultron? I feel like that's something that didn't come out. No, to but the public. No, but he like owns up to it to Captain America, the guy who's like putting criminals away. But he's like, yeah, Tony Stark, you're you're my friend, you're an okay guy. Like, I mean, that's like totally the opposite of the plot of Civil War. But go on. Well, okay, no, but I like all of the Avengers know that he did it, and all the Avengers are all about like stopping the bad guys, and like Tony is totally a bad guy, guys. But anyway, it's funny to revisit these movies, especially Iron Man, to see. The fledgling little beginning of the MCU and uh, how they did try to steep it in reality there for a bit um, and how wildly different it is now. The phones are the funniest part of Iron Man because they did not really predict the way phones were going to go at all. Uh, He's still using what is essentially a flip phone while he has a talking AI. Uh, Also... It's it is just it's fun so far just to like get this sense of like where they were kind of shaping things like after these first two movies they are shaping it of they are forming the Avengers the Iron Man ends with Nick Fury being like have you heard of the Avengers Initiative Hulk ends with Tony Stark going to uh going to William Hurt Thunderbolt Ross and saying we're putting a team together like the whole thing uh. Iron Man 2, which unfortunately I'm going to have to watch here pretty soon. Uh, I think, uh, I can't remember which one. I think that's the next one. Um, it is. Has them like still talking about like the Avengers and like how we're going to ramp up to it. And then by the time we get to the Avengers, it's just like, nah, yeah, that idea was scrapped. 
like they... I mean, like a lot of times passing between these moments. It's also funny that they set up that scene with Tony Stark approaching uh, Ross about the Avengers, and then Ross has absolutely nothing to do with it. No, and, and then and... walks into Civil War is just like I'm this senator now. No, he's not a senator. He he's still or... I forget. I think he's like a I think se- secretary. I think he's secretary. Of... Yeah. Of defense, I Secretary of Defense. Well, which again, insane that he would be Secretary of Defense even in this world when he on a college campus was letting them fire live rounds, called in a helicopter. It oh, bananas, uh, Eric Bananas. Uh, and look, Eric like, Banna, one, yes, the greatest Hulk of all time. Well, the greatest Hulk of all time. It's absolutely true. So, like when I say like. You know, when I point out, like, oh, Marvel had this plan and they went another way, like, I feel like you come to, like, leap at, like, oh, well, uh, you know, a lot of time has passed. Like, I'm not dinging them horribly for it. It's just funny to me to see, like, yeah, the plan was different than what we got, and that's fine. Like, I don't need you to come in here and be like, oh, well, in between the time the movie passing, the Avengers thing didn't work out. No, that's like, sure, that's the explanation we have now. At the time, though, they were building it up of like, one day we're going to be the Avengers, and then it just wasn't. I mean, I wasn't going to start an argument. <laughs> no, but just like every time that we have a conversation about it, you're always like, well, time's passing in between the movies, and this is happening, and uh, I secretly am in love with Kevin Feig. Well, now it's not a secret. Mm. Right, I wasn't supposed to say that on the show. No. Now it's recorded for prosperity. Prosperity? Prosperity. <laughs> but, uh, Nick, what is keeping you from watching these movies? Hmm? Hmm? Um, memory is definitely a huge contributing factor. Um, Look, not man. being a nerd. Oh, pff, whatever. It's like not really on the list because I'm definitely a nerd. So it's definitely not playing a role. Um, mo- mostly forgetting. Well, yeah. All right. Look, man, it's better to catch up in this week when you have two movies. To watch. No, 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 I think I'm gonna catch up around Ant Man. Oh, I think that's no. that's. A, I, I don't think I have a lot going on that week. I think. Let's see. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Ooh, twelve movies in a week. Hell yeah! Let's do this. Oh no. No, no, no. Maybe I'll start next week. Yeah, maybe I will start this weekend. I, I would, I would I'm get on this it this weekend. Oh well. I mean, I I'll plan, figure it out. I it would be just, fun to do, though. I just plan on watching Captain America: The First Avenger on two times speed in the background. Why not? That one's kind of fun. Uh, no, it's not. It's a, it's a it's... montage. I look forward to talking about it on this show, where I can once again reiterate that it is uh, probably my least favorite MCU movie. Was that in two weeks? Right, that is Iron in Man three two, weeks. and then Cap, and then it's Thor. Iron Man. No, it's Iron Man, Thor, Iron, it's Iron Man two, Thor, and then Cap, because they had to crap out a Captain America movie before right, Avengers Cap came leads out. Leads into Avengers, and why did they have to crap out? I mean, that as a as a structural as as far as like planning it, having Captain America lead into Avengers makes the most sense. I'm just saying it wasn't it wasn't crafted out of a it it is the most, um, like made out of yeah by committee like it is like all right we want to have an avengers movie i mean it has captain america the first avenger like right on there like look at what we're doing this is all for avengers like it wasn't somebody sat down and was like hey i've got this really great captain america script i want to get done it was them saying all right uh you there screenwriter write a captain america script and then here we go captain america i mean that's like you're breaking the building blocks down so much like that's the basis for like every construction of every movie okay 
All right, but I'm not saying that the, the end result is still like this great film. I'm just saying that that knocking it because it's got it got titled the first Avenger when it's leading into the Avengers, and he kind of spearheads everything as far as the timeline goes. Okay, you know, you know what I mean? No, no, <laughs> like that. Does, yeah, that's fine. That's like that, but that doesn't mean that it's not made by committee. That just means that it was oh, no, not like, made. All, I mean, that's all, what I mean, I'm saying. Iron Man is two... its purpose. In Captain America, and certainly Thor, Thor one and Thor two, I think were all very by committee movies because they kind of, yeah. I think at that time, this is all speculation, of course. People, they they realized that they had hits on their hands. Certainly, they didn't know how big it was going to get, but they knew they had enough momentum going that they had to do these movies, quote unquote, right. And I think there was still like a safety net feeling that like we're gonna do these structurally sound, but they're not gonna be as daring as say. Thor 3 was, or Winter Soldier was, or even Avengers. Um, yeah, I, th- well, so. I, I mean, I think Thor, the first Thor, uh, had, you know, Kenneth Branagh bringing some, I really enjoy the first Thor movie, bringing some gravitas. My issue with Captain America is not necessarily that it's called the first Avenger. That's not my issue with the movie. My issue with the movie is that, yeah, it's by committee. It is just a... It is just, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened because we want to make Avengers. So it's like, let's just check off the list of what happens in his life. And that's fine. Like, I just don't feel the heart in that movie as I do in other films is what I'm saying. I'm feeling your passion now, though. All right. Like, it definitely, at the very least, elicited a strong emotional response from me. I've got feelings, and we're going to hear. But, you know, we're cutting into a lot of time here. Let's... We will discuss all this more going forward. We will catch up, people. We will catch up with Captain America, the first Avenger, so we can continue this argument or heartful, thoughtful discussion uh, in a couple of weeks. So check back right then. Uh, why don't we roll into the news? Yeah. Our top story today. After a disappointing <laughs> summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. Speaking of the MCU... The first female superhero of the MCU might finally be getting her own movie. Black Widow, who appeared back in Iron Man 2 in 2010, um, is now possibly getting her own film. This has not been officially greenlit, uh, but it has been reported by Variety that screenwriter uh, Jack Jacques Schaefer has been tasked with writing the script for the upcoming film. And it has not been officially greenlit yet, so there's really not much else to say about that. But, uh, oh man, I completely butchered the name of uh, that woman whose name I was trying to pronounce. Uh, um, Jay Schaefer? Or no, Jack Schaefer. Jack Schaefer, Jack Schaefer. Jack Schaefer? It is a female, uh, so I'm not sure that's pronounced, and I feel... Jack? Yeah. Maybe just Jack. I mean, I think you can call a woman Jack. I think that's a, not an, a common name, but certainly a name that could be. Anyway, anyway, they have, subscribe. they are right now, uh, have only written, the the only movie they've written is a movie called Timer, uh, which is where everybody in the world has a timer on their arm. That Wait, In Time? To... That's the plot for In Time with Justin Timberlake. Maybe if you let me finish. Oh, go on. They have a timer on their arm that counts down to when you're going to meet your soulmate. Oh, definitely not Justin Timberlake. No, they also she also wrote Olaf's Frozen Adventure, which played before Coco and was not very good. 
Well, I was going to say that anyone that can write a solo adventure for Olaf is uniquely capable of crafting a stellar Black Widow script. So, look, I don't like want to... absolutely related. I don't want to judge her... Um her abilities of writing like an action film based on what she's written, but it's not a very strong resume. It's not a strong resume. And I I think it's tough. Not not that I have really any deep insight into like how that works in Hollywood, but I mean, and I I realize elf is a great Christmas movie, but I'm just saying like John Favreau came from elf and made Iron Man. And also he made the jungle book. And I know he made Iron Man too, but like it's she it could be something where like it was more like what she had available for her to tackle on maybe there's i don't think Olaf's solo adventure or whatever was a particular passion project maybe it was i, I can't tell but it's the kind of thing where this person's being brought out of left field and could really turn out if they're really passionate about this a really yeah. stellar script yeah no and, and like, like like i'm like i said i don't know they could have all the skill in the world but more what i want to talk about here is Scarlett Johansson premiered as this character in 2010. It is now eight years later, and we are now only now getting hints that uh, someone might be writing a script. Right. I mean, there's a movie that's not officially getting made. The question has been raised in a lot in the past, especially since since Avengers. Um, But it's definitely like, I mean, we're still. over a year away from the first actual solo female outing for Marvel with Captain Marvel. Yeah, don't even get me started Um, on that. So, um, I mean, we're definitely not seeing a Black Widow film until probably after Avengers 4. Um, So I guess that would put it in Phase 4, maybe? Uh, Um, I don't know. But still, it's it's, I've got my fingers crossed that we can get at least one Black Widow movie uh, out of this whole thing. I, I mean, I'm really disappointed with Marvel for not having a female led superhero movie before now. It's, it's frankly ridiculous that they are going 11 years before that film gets made. And you have a character like black widow who I think with each kind of outing I've been less interested in because I just have kind of been like, all right, I guess she's just a side character. Cause that's all. I mean, they haven't really given her a whole lot interesting stuff to do in the other movies. Really? She, mm-hmm. she's had a couple of like really cool badass moments but you know as the, the much, most character development we've gotten out of her was her and the weird hulk romance in avengers 2 right which a lot a lot of people were a fan of i mean iron man she was tony stark's assistant in avengers you know she i, I definitely think she has in avengers she was the girl she was the what? She was the girl. I mean, she was the one, like the token female, I guess. Not that I don't think she was played as much as a token female, but the fact that she was the only female there amongst the team was. I could have at least had one more. Certainly, goes with more. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I am though uh, pulling up the Vanity Fair article that you linked to with this story has a picture of uh, Black Widow from the Avengers film where like the bus is exploding, and it's just this picture of like. Scarlett Johansson in the Black Widow costume, costume in like a sultry pose, as there's just like an explosion ripping apart the building behind her, and it's just really funny. Yeah, I mean, I think you could do a really cool spy thriller with the character. Probably, I I want to be proven wrong on my current feelings on the character of Black Widow. I just also hope that we get some more females in the MCU. 
I would agree. I think Sometimes I think Winter something. Soldier, if anything, like she had a she was pretty prominent in that film as a supporting character. But I mean, and that was a political thriller, espionage, whatever you want to call it. She yeah. definitely lends herself she, to it. And I think Scarlett Johan, I mean, Johansson could pull it off. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, but again, if I think if I think of Winter Soldier, which I love Winter Soldier, and I think that she has some really cool moments in Winter Soldier. I don't. There's nothing about her character that really like stands out to me as like as a character. No, no, there's not. And I think a solo film would be a great opportunity. Actually, a great a, a great story idea for the solo film is to also tie, um, they don't necessarily have to, but just because it has been sort of hinted at in the cinematic universe that Black Widow and Winter Soldier have a past together, they could tie it into the greater Winter Soldier narrative and obviously explore, like we, they did do some hints, I think, in Age of Ultron of like her time at, in the Red Room. Um mm-hmm. And like how they sterilize people or the woman and stuff like that. So there's definitely an opportunity to explore her past. And basically, I mean, they literally could just get away with uh, my past has come back to haunt me story. Right. Set in the she, gets, she gets framed. Boom. She gets framed for murder and it's someone from her past. And though something I, that's yeah, I guess that's also kind of a little bit Winter Soldier. I mean, it is, but I think that would be a great way, like if they not not saying for the sake of having a male co-star and like, the, I don't think she needs one, yeah. but just as far as narratives go that have like threads that have been picked up in the cinematic universe, her having a shared history with, with winter soldier and the fact that Sebastian Stan, I think had like a nine picture deal that he's only halfway through. Ugh, yeah, um, insane. Um, you know, there's a lot more room for them to explore winter soldier beyond the upcoming Avengers films. Mm-hmm. Especially because they'll probably kill off Chris Evans and he'll take over his cap. God, I hope so. And other news, though, we're going to move from Marvel over to DC, actually quite literally. Uh, it has been reported that Brian Michael Bendis' first DC comic will be a uh, short story in Action Comics number 1000. Ooh. David, tell us a little more about what's going on. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, he will be doing a backup story in Action Comics number 1000 with art by DC co-publisher Jim Lee. Uh, issue 100 obviously is a very huge milestone. Uh, issue 1000. What I say? You said 100. No. Oh. I know. I know add what a, you meant. Add but... an extra zero. Issue 1000 is uh, is quite the milestone, and it is apparently going to be. We have not gotten the solicitation yet, uh, but it will be coinciding with 80 years of Superman. It'll retail at 29.99, be a hardcover collection, and be over 300 pages with a blend of new and reprinted content. That is pretty much all we know at this time. I think it is a really cool way to start Bendis off um, in DC, have him tackle, you know, one of their two most iconic characters, one of the most iconic comic book characters of all time. Not most probably the the most iconic superhero of all time. Not just uh, shove him, you know, be like, all right, now you're like, now here's the first issue of Brian Michael Bendis' new book. It's like, it's kind of a nice ease in. It's just like, here is a cool little story written by Bendis with, um, with Jim Lee doing art. Like I was, I mean, everybody and their mom. And by that, I mean, not, Everybody and their mom is going to be picking up Action Comics 1000, uh, but it will be it will be a big seller. So a lot of people probably will be seeing this story. 
For sure, for sure. I mean, it's it's Brian Michael Bendis. He's a hot name in comics. He has been for you know over a decade. Years, um, what? Like twenty years. I mean, he's definitely been in comics for a long time, but with Marvel, he got his start in. Well, I guess almost twenty years. I kept forgetting it's twenty eighteen now. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh crap! We're old. Don't go there, Nick. Um, Don't... Yeah, I I'll be very curious to see. I'm not like I I from an objective standpoint, like I appreciate Jim Lee's artwork. It's not a style that I tend to gravitate to, but it's a big name coming from Marvel and a big former name from Marvel, also a big name at DC. Um, also, I feel like a lot of times when I see Jim Lee's art lately, to me, it feels rushed, especially car- compared to like his work on Batman Hush. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how I might feel about the Hush story, like I remember when I mean back in what two thousand two, two thousand three, or whenever when that came out, I remember getting like the Wizard magazine and seeing that and like how big to me at that young age, like how big of a deal Hush seemed to be and like how solid Jim Lee's art was on that. It is um, so good in that comic. Very very solid. I feel like a lot of his more recent stuff, and granted, he's got a lot more responsibilities now as a co-publisher. But that's where it's like, okay, if you're going to take on this work, make sure you have enough time. And hopefully he's had enough time with Action Comics that doing this short story will be some primo uh, Lee artwork. But we will Yeah, see. and it, it's, you know, it's going to be a backup story. It's not going to be 22 pages. You know, it's going to be 8 to 10, though. Right. <laughs> at a three, and that's at something a th- where... In a 300-page story, I mean, who knows? Right, but that's still like, and I, I'm not, I don't want to speculate for Jim Lee or throw shade on Jim Lee or anything, but like, also, like, when you're just working on a short story, there's room for it to be like, well, I won't put every effort in or we won't dedicate a lot of time to producing this. But I think, I hope with Bendis' big name that they'll definitely want to get his DC era off to a really strong visual start. So yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because, like, it makes sense. It's like, come over here, you can write Superman, and Jim Lee will illustrate it. Uh, and he'll do that Jim Lee thing he does where he'll do like the first issue and then never go near the book again. Basically. Well, also in continuing with the DC news, Teen Titans Go to the movies. Yes, Teen Titans Go, the television show that uh, if you have kids, they probably enjoy it. And if you used to like the old Justice League cartoon, you probably have completely dismissed this. Uh, but they are getting a movie in July twenty. Yeah, July twenty eighteen, July twenty seventh. Uh, there is a teaser trailer out. It is just a little teaser. It is actually pretty, pretty funny. funny. It uh, is pretty funny. I definitely broke out laughing when I watched it. Yeah, mm. and I, I, I will admit there is a fart joke, and that is gonna like a lot of people are gonna be like, oh great, that's the kind of humor we're gonna get. But when you watch it, like it, it works. I'm sorry, it's... like, I just, I'd like to think I'm a mildly sophisticated human, but I fall apart when it comes to, like, fart humor. I don't know why, maybe it's just like I hang out with, like, my nephews too much, my young nephews, but, like, fart jokes are just endlessly entertaining. I can I can handle the highbrow, like, I can go sophisticated humor, but when it comes to farting or fart jokes, I fall apart, and this trailer had it in spades. Yeah, and, uh... And it has like a lot of there's a really great little commentary about Wonder Woman at the beginning, and then uh, you know sort of some meta commentary on their property like on the property of Teen Titans Go itself, and then you know, of course you know the fun little jab of if Aquaman can get a movie then anybody can. Right, right. That was good, and it's good. I mean, that's the kind of humor that 
like, yes, this this is geared towards kids, and that's totally cool. Like, I really never watched Teen Titans Go. I don't really have a lot of interest to. But if this was something I was going to take, like, my ne- my nieces or nephews nephews to, um, like, I can I can appreciate their tongue in cheek approach and kind of them making fun of themselves. You know, like kids are going to find it funny and maybe not understand all the humor. It's kind of like that Shrek thing where mm-hmm. there's jokes that I mean, I remember watching Shrek as a kid thinking it was hilarious and watching it as an adult and being like, I can't believe they got away with some of that stuff. I. Um, yeah, I've never watched an episode of Teen Titans Go. Um, I've seen clips of it, though, and there's actually been some really, like, really great references and also some, like, kind of darker moments. There's one where they trick Robin by saying his parents are alive out in the hall. <laughs> and, he's, like, the and it's like it's, there, it's like them pulling this, like, prank on him, and he gets, like, really emotional and, like, runs outside and, like, they, you know, whatever the prank is, and he's, like, laughing. Like, he's, 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 like, crying, and he's like, that's, that's a good one, guys. <laughs> Wow, that's awful. It's really messed up, but it was pretty funny. Um, I know a lot of people are upset that the Teen Titans cartoon ended, and this is what we've gotten instead. It's the same voice cast. You know, Teen Titans was really good. It was mature and awesome, and uh, you know that has kind of now. I think that spotlight has gone to Young Justice. And I just want to say that I think Teen Titans Go is actually really important for comics because Teen Titans Go is uh, something that's going to get little kids' attention and it has the right kind of humor that they are going to get into it and they're going to like it. And because there's all this other DC animated content, as they get older, they're going to be able to access that, access that stuff really easily, whether it be uh, Teen Titans the show that came before this, whether it be Young Justice, whether it be any of the DC animated movies, and, you know, hopefully the comics. There's a lot of, like, the comics that will be very easy for them to get into because they know those these characters and they know those characters. So, yeah, it, it's disappointing that we're not going to get any more of Ron Perlman as Slade Wilson. But at the same time, this is super awesome for the next generation of comic book fans. And... Right, and that's something that we need to be mindful of as comic book readers, that the end result is we want these extracurricular properties, as I'm going to call them, to lead the initiated back to the industry. Yeah, and Teen Titans Go is fun. It really is. Everything that I've seen is fun. Uh, so just... You know, really give yourself, give it a chance. Uh, not, uh, you know, you don't even have to necessarily watch it. Just maybe look up some clips, and uh, I think you're gonna find yourself pleasantly surprised by what you see there. Uh, let's see. Uh, just a couple of quick hits. Uh, Gore Vibinski is the third director to exit the Gambit film. Ooh. That that yep. There's uh, not much to say on that other and, than this movie will probably this movie will probably be the first property of the Disney Fox merger, um, but not actually be released because Disney will be like uh, hell no and then put it on a shelf. So uh, one thing that I forgot to include as part of this uh, Gambit has now been scheduled from February fourteenth, two thousand nineteen, uh, to I can't even remember when they didn't put it. It was pushed back to like June or something. Oh, Gambit back to June. Yeah. Um, also shifted deadpool has been moved forward two weeks to may 18th and new Mut- this year right yeah new mutant cool. um was set to open april 13th but new mutants has now been pushed back to february 22nd 2019 really that far back 10 months yeah wow 
I wonder what if that says anything about the movie or just 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 the way the schedule falls. I That's a know. long time. Yeah. Uh, but you know, before you know it, we'll be there. Uh, that being said, probably the next time we see Gambit on screen, it'll be an old man Gambit movie because Shannon Tatum won't let it go, old and he'll just Gambit. be an old man, and it'll be like, let's do just let's just do Gambit. Let's do the Logan version of Gambit, even though no one saw Gambit. In any other movies except no, Wolverine, we've, we've which dis- no one wants to remember. We've discussed it. Gambit was a product of the '90s and was super cool in the '90s. But guys, let Gambit go. Hey, hey, Gambit is still cool. His look might need to be updated a little bit. But anyone that can make playing cards explode and use a staff like Donatello is forever cool. The Rage and Cajun. He might need less of, like, the head sock over his head. Like, I don't really think the ladies nah, are impressed with that now. Yes, you but got, You gotta let Gambit go. But I'm not, I'm never gonna, his name is Gambit. It's, like, the coolest name. Gambit. Just say it out, David. David, say it with me. Nah, Nightcrawler is a cooler name. Nightcrawler is a very cool name, and I believe a good film starring Jake Gyllenhaal, who should totally be Nightcrawler. <laughs> I would get into that, yeah. But Gambit. Is a pretty cool. I mean, Gambit's up there with like Cable, which Cable should not be like a cool superhero name, and actually, Cable's kind of a cool superhero name. Yeah. But you know, anyway, uh, last quick hit of the evening or day or morning, wherever you're listening to this, it's Hello, all about you guys. Uh, we got our first look at Tom Hardy and Venom. I can tell you by describing this photo that it literally nice. just looks like Tom Hardy. Like someone could have just pitched, taken a picture of Tom Hardy holding a notebook. Yeah, and that's what we got. So it not is... really exciting. No, it is so Tom Hardy. That... It's, just, it's literally Tom Hardy in like a button-down denim or something like that, some kind of shirt holding it open. Though, I did read an article that zoomed in on the notepad, and there's some notes on there leading to hints at something called like the Life Foundation, oh, which apparently does tie back into the comics. Cool. Um, so it's... I guess if you dig deep, there's more going on in the photo than meets the eye. But if you don't want to look too closely at it, it's Tom Hardy in wearing clothes. Yeah, now it's it's funny because these first images are always typically pretty stupid. Uh, but, you know, it usually gives you kind of a sense of, like, the costumes. Like, oh, here is this actor wearing a suit. Or here's the actor, like, in the middle of an action scene. Right. Uh, and this one is, it's seriously, it is the same amount of facial hair that you've always seen Tom Hardy with. It is the same haircut you've always seen Tom Hardy with. It is. I, I saw it and I thought that I missed the picture. It, right. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll be getting a reveal of the costume. Uh, let's see. We want to be up to blah, blah, blah. Primarily based on Lethal Protector and the Planet of the Symbiote books. Uh, yeah, there's really no no new information that has come out. Except that, uh, yeah, he's Eddie Brock, I guess. Cool, cool. Well, that's going to do it for news. Uh, before we get into our reviews, I just want to make sure, guys, if you could do us a favor and head on over and leave us a review on, I, I think it's Apple Podcasts now. I don't, I think, pretty sure that's what the name is. But we really would ask that you'd give us a review. Five stars if you think that we're worthy of it. And if you think that we're not, come just come on come on what can we do what can we do email us heck yeah comics gmail.com tell us how we can improve or your thoughts on the stories or about what you're reading and with that we're going to move into our reviews to the batmobile let's go nick what did you read 
All right, David. So I went ahead and picked up Avengers No Surrender. Uh, I put in my notes it was Avengers number 675, but it was... Sorry, 674, but it was actually uh, 675. This is co-written by Mark Wade, uh, Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and drawn by Pepe Larraz. Uh, Pepe Larraz is definitely one of those artists that has been like around the Marvel Ben, the Marvel Ranches, or whatever you want to call them, for uh, several years now. But this is definitely one of those like he's stepping into his own moments. Like his art is still very familiar, but it's a lot more polished, a lot more clean. Um, and it's looking really good. I, I can't blame Pepe Rulaz, but I'm still sour about when that, uh, Rick Remender Avengers Rage of Ultron graphic novel came out and it was supposed to have all Jerome Pena artwork in it. And then there's a whole section of Pepe Rulaz artwork. I don't blame him. He accepted the job. I'm over it. I'm over it. Let's talk about Avengers number 675. So what is this about? So for those that don't know, Avengers number 675 is actually tying together like all the current Avengers books. Avengers, USA, US Avengers, um, uh, Uncanny Avengers, and oh crap, I forgot the last one. Um, but they're all tying together, all tying this massive 16-part story that begins with the art, the art, the Earth being stolen from our solar system and place somewhere else. Uh, the Avengers have assembled to combat this threat, and shit gets bananas from there. As far as the first issue goes, uh, it sets up a lot of our, our characters. It sets up the initial stakes. There's certainly a lot more going on here. I mean, right now we're just dealing with this big picture thing, which is everyone's reacting to the fact that like there's fire or whatever, red energy in the sky, and no one knows what to do, and there's earthquakes. It's like basically doomsday scenario going on here. Uh, one of the things I liked like about doomsday. the issue, though... What? Doomsday? Isn't that a DC guy? A little bit. Um, one of the things I liked is the opening of the issue features a little-known Marvel character called uh, Lightning, formerly called Living Lightning. He Living changed Lightning. to Just Lightning uh, because he was being confused with the Iron Man villain Living Laser. <laughs> um, honestly, I thought it was the Living Laser at first. When I was reading it, I was like, wait a second, this guy's a superhero? Uh, apparently back when Marvel was doing their Avengers the Initiative thing with like the 50 State Initiative, uh, he was on like the Texas Rangers team. Um, again, barely remember that. Um, but the issue opens with him sort of stopping a car th theft or something like that in Texas. Um, and then he's kind of going to this narrative of like, oh, you might have known that I was an Avenger briefly once upon a time, but no one ever really calls me, but that's okay because like I'm still doing good or something like that anyway all the shit hits the fan uh and interspersed throughout the issue we get some more like internal dialogue from lightning um about like how he perceives the events that are going on how he perceives his place uh and by the end of the issue a lot of different avengers a lot of major avengers get taken off the board and while there's still some major ones left um lightning is one of the few avengers left to sort of deal with the fallout of this event um, so that's kind of cool. They're taking this character that really no one knows about and giving him a big spotlight. So I'll be very curious to see if he's going to ultimately just be cannon fire for this story uh, or if like if the story is really going to do a lot of justice to him and kind of develop him into like a future mega Avenger star. Who knows? Probably the uh, former. Um, but yeah, so the issue really just spends a lot of time touching on the gravity of the situation that everyone finds them, everyone trying to figure out what's going on, and introducing a lot of the different characters from all the Avengers team. And granted that they're doing it in like 
30 pages. Like it is a bit of an extended issue, uh, a little less than 30 pages actually, um, is, is pretty impressive. I'm definitely intrigued about where this is going. I know they're going to be roping in the Black Order, Thanos' uh, team of thugs. Uh, the Lethal Legion was being retooled for this. Uh, I know, like, spoiler alert, that Bruce Banner Hulk is coming back in some capacity during this event. Uh, it's been billed as the next Avengers disassemble, so it's so Marvel's really billing it as a big deal. As far it's... as first issues go, it's just the, the, the play setting and the stakes raising, so there's really not a lot to write home about. It's with so many characters on the page. It's really hard to say. Like, I mean, I would say that everyone kind of spoke uniquely. Like, they kind of infused their own character into it. But really, like, everyone's just kind of responding the way anyone would respond, given the the stakes going on. Um, so it might be that as the event goes on, and we probably break up into smaller groups of characters, we'll get a bit more characterization going on there. But if you like the evolution of Pepe Larraz's art, you'll definitely dig what he has to offer here. Uh, and I mean, between Mark Wade, Mark Wade, Jim Zub, and Al Ewing, like there's a great team of writers on this book. So that's my story. Cool. Yeah, I saw this uh, in my local comic book shop, and um, I was like, boy, look at Marvel not doing events anymore <laughs> with that whole no surrender thing. <clears throat> The book that I read this week was a little bit off the, the normal path for something that I would read, and that is Star Wars Forces of Destiny Ray. It's a long title, but stick with me. Now, there is a book going on over at IDW. This is from IDW Publishing uh, called Star Wars Adventures, which I have perfectly honestly here never read. Uh, it seems to be stories ranging from before the events of the first film all the way to episode eight the last jedi uh it looks sort of like an anthology book where just kind of each issue you, you kind of spend time with a different member of of the star wars canon that we all love uh anyway last year star wars put out on youtube and uh, later on tv this thing called forces of destiny which focuses primarily on female characters in the Star Wars universe. Uh, so you have episodes about Rey, Ahsoka, Leia. Uh, looks like there's one about Jyn Erso. Um, this one character whose name is now Escape Hera, who I think is from... Um, uh, Rebels. Rebels, yeah. Hera, Hera's from Rebels. Uh, so... This is, and they are all kind of these little standalone stories. I think they're all up on YouTube. I watched a little bit of one. Um, so if that interests you, go check those out. Anyway, this issue is about Ray. Uh, last, there's one coming out every week this month. Uh, the first one was about Leia, and this one is about Ray. It is written by Jody Hauser who has a very long career in comics, but you might know her as the writer of Faith uh, over at Valiant, um, has also written Avengers, Justice League of America, Supergirl, X-Files comics, lots and lots of stuff. Uh, the art is by Ariana Florine, and it is a story about Rey in that little bit of... Uh, the Force Awakens, where she finds BB-8 and then takes BB-8 to that place where she runs into Finn. Uh, 
so it's just a little story of her and BB-8 and kind of uh, the trouble that they run into along the way. They get chased by a beast of the, the desert. They get uh, attacked by people who want to take BB-8. Uh, they deal with, you know, Ray's own personal turmoil standing uh, in the way of what is essentially, you know, they're not, it's not very high stakes uh, in this story. But that's okay. Um, this the, the art by Ariana Florine is very uh, it's it's very cartoony, um, but it is uh, bright and joyful and uh, and full of like really good action. Uh, there's some really good emoting going on here. Uh, we spend a lot of time in Ray's head, so it, you get a little bit of interesting characterization of her that we might not necessarily get from the movie because we're getting the internal thoughts. Um, but also with that, that's nice is you know that we do get to see that it's not all pretty happy time up in there. Um, this book is an all ages book, which. I would say it uh, it skews a little bit towards the younger side of the all ages spectrum. Uh, it's definitely even on IDW's website. It is uh, listed as a kids comic, and that's good. That's I, I really like that. That's what this is. It's not for me um, as a straight white guy in his thirties, uh, almost thirties. It is for my niece who is 10 years old and has seen the star Wars movies and is really enjoying them. And this is a book that I, I'm probably going to put in an envelope and I'm going to mail to her because, um, she would really enjoy this. I love the character of Ray and I, I've really seen kind of in this last year, the importance of having someone who looks like you on screen in a way that I didn't quite understand before being a straight white male um, with stuff like uh, Black Panther and Wonder Woman, just seeing how that has empowered people has been really meaningful to me in a way that like I could pay lip service to that stuff before, but uh, has really become real in some very strong ways. And I think this is a, a comic that is fun uh, it is more stories of Ray. It is not any giant leaps forward in storytelling, but it is a book that I'm really happy that exists. And I feel like I usually would be much more cynical about a book like this, but it's something where I can very happily say, um, I'm glad that I bought it because I'm excited to share it with my niece, who I think is really, really going to like it. Uh, so and uh, breaking news: David has a soul. Yeah, who would have thought, huh? So if you are, if you have uh, someone in your life, a, a teenage girl or you know, preteen, whatever names we're giving them now, uh, I don't think they've changed any of the names. But go on. I don't know. Tween was a thing for a while. I don't know if we still use tween. Uh, post millennial something hashtags. Are we calling kids hashtags yet? Because I would be into that. <laughs> anyway, if you have um, someone, and, and I, you know, I don't want to say only for girls because obviously that's limiting. I think that's dumb. Uh, I think it's cool for boys to read stuff like this too. If you have someone in your life uh, younger that likes Star Wars, 
likes adventure give give this book to them lead them towards this book and good times will be had by all i would agree yeah anyone male or female uh, or or even non-binary whoever that you think might benefit from and we need more compelling female um characters they don't even necessarily have to be role models i mean it's obviously if they're younger like it's good to have people that you can look up to and, and emulate but just compelling characters yeah i think um i think this is a cool idea for you can already order the collected edition uh i think this is a cool little idea though and i'm trying to get uh one of the writers of one of the stories to for our interview this month um oh cool uh, yeah, I've reached out to uh, Beth Revis, who is writing the Ahsoka and Padme story. Um, I have not heard back yet, though, so we'll see how that goes. Um, just because I think it'd be really interesting to talk about what's it like to write, because she also wrote a Star Wars novel, and I want to know what it's like to work in that playground where there are restrictions and yet also weird freedoms. <clears throat> anyway. One of the restrictions might be not talking on a little-known podcast called the Heck Yeah Comics. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not asking for spoilers. I just want to. No, I know, I know. On them, the only thing I can think of is that that especially when it comes to something as big as Star Wars, that anytime someone, especially if we want to talk to her because of her work on a property like Star Wars, that there would have to be some sort of clearance given. Uh, on what she would be able to say. I think you would kind of know that beforehand. Um, just based on like other interviews I've heard with people who have written Star Wars books before. It's like they are very clear on what they can and can't talk about. But I, right. I, I never got the sense of like, yeah, before we came on here, we had to go, you know, talk to this person who cleared right. it. Well, those interviews also tend to be on more "quote unquote" major networks or major sites. Um, yeah, whatever, man. Why you got to be? I'm not, hey, I'm not trying to throw our podcast on the bus. I love this podcast. I'm just saying. I mean, I hope she comes on the show. Hope she comes on the show. Jeez. But well, thank you, David, for for that for that really compelling speech. Cool. So this was a week where not a lot really seemed to come out, especially not a lot that both Nick and I read. So we do not have a double interview or double um review this week um so i don't know what to do now <laughs> i guess we good, can just good segue. Uh, good we segue. can just end the show uh we could continue our captain america the first avenger oh god okay you really want to do this right now debate. i mean we were I, I need to rewatch it again so that i can you know mark all of my points for why you're wrong look it's fine it is just it, okay and I'm going to say this, and you're going to be like, that's what all movies are. Instead of being like a well-put-together comprehensive stories, it feels like a loose collection of scenes and moments that they cobbled together to be like, ah, now people will have an understanding of who Captain America is so we can have him be a character in this movie. Instead of oh, like... Oh, gosh. Oh. Oh, David, that is... Oh. Movies. Oh. Are you dead? Am I free? <laughs> oh, I'm free. Uh, well, the prophecy has been concluded, which means that this podcast will also end just as the elders foretold all those moons ago. Oh, you're still alive. 
Yeah, I like I kept trying to think of like what could I say that would bring myself back? Like I've been resurrected by Chris Evans' beard or something. Uh, it resurrects and, um, me every day. I mean, on the list of things that could resurrect something, Chris, Chris Evans' beard is probably one of them. It's so majestic. Mm, but I totally lost my train of thought. David, take it away. Uh, boy. <laughs> We are Jody Hauser's also wrote the Mother Panic book. I gotta read that. I've heard good things. I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about stuff that have come out of the young animal line. I just love that, that young, it exists. The young Danimal. Danimal. They should make comics off of Danimal snacks. Danimal. Danimal a drink. Danimal yogurt. Danimal yogurt. Clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. I think I just had just it. aged out of when Danimal came came around. I don't think that's true. When did now? I like that. I like that. We are now googling animals because Daniel's this is kid yogurts and smoothies. This is what this podcast has become. This is what happens when you apparently don't read a third book. No, you know what we can do. You know what we can do. Podcast. All right. No, you know what we have time to do recommendations. Oh well, I recommend for your kids. What? They okay, also come well, now in squeeze packs. I'm going to play the Danimals thing. Or the Danimals <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Gonna play the new the recommendations bumper. You boys aren't nerds, are you? God, what is happening? Nick, you said last week, oh, I actually have something to recommend. Oh, did I not recommend it last week? No. I was just looking at the notes and I was like, oh, I guess I already recommended that. I guess you didn't. So I'll recommend it now. I've had the privilege of watching the show Mindhunter on Netflix, mostly because I have a Netflix subscription and someone put it on in front of me, so I kept watching it. Um, I very, I very rarely watch television shows. I'm very much behind on everything. Um, but while I was in Brooklyn for New Year's, I ended up binging Mindhunter because that's what you do when you're in the quote-unquote greatest city on earth. Am I right? Um, anyway. Mindhunter is a show about FBI agents that spearhead the initiative for profiling serial killers. Um, so it basically starts like um, just sort of in the beginning where it's like a couple of guys in the behavioral science unit kind of get the idea. They rope in a uh, Boston uh, collegiate uh, professor. I'm blanking on all of their names at the moment. I know the main character's name is Ford and then there's other guy and then there's professor lady. Um, so really good at this. Um, but it's a uh, direct or it's produced and uh, directed by David Fincher. I believe he directed the first two episodes and maybe the last episode. But like I said, it basically follows their interpersonal lives and their professional lives as they become the P- the the FBI agents that start actually not working with, but but learning from the serial killers that have been apprehended so that they can build better profiling tools in order to capture and prevent future serial killers. Uh, it's 10 episodes. Um, they're about 40 minutes to an hour each. Um, it is definitely for mature, but a lot the acting is done very, very well. Um, like the setting, the aesthetics of the mood, um, you know, visuals, like everything. It's very well constructed. Um, it, it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of psychoanalyzing. It's a lot of like, is this a good idea? Should we be doing this? What is this all about? But it's like one of those things that it's just it's done very effectively. So even when even though you're really just listening to a lot of people sitting or standing and talking, 
um, it it really sucks you in. And suddenly, you know, I spent a whole day in Brooklyn watching this show. Um, so I highly recommend it if you get a chance. You know what the new freaking mystery of this podcast is? Is when Danimals started. Uh, but very cool. Mindhunter, I've heard great things, and I can't wait. Uh, because the entire time you were talking, I was Googling Danimals and couldn't come up with anything. Anyway, my recommendation this week, I like to recommend episodes of other podcasts occasionally that I think are really good or relevant to stuff that we talk about. Uh, there is a, a podcast I listen to called Off Book, the improvised musical podcast. And... An episode this week was amazing. It is called X-Moms, Days of Mother's Moms, uh, in which they improvise a musical about how mothers get superpowers and uh, they go to this, uh, I don't, they go to like a school that is much like um, Xavier's school. And and, uh, like the bad guy is called Maggie Nito. It is ridiculous, but uh wonderful the music is all all the songs are improvised but they are so good i was so impressed with this episode anyway episode 26 of off book the improvised musical podcast x moms days of mother's moms the guest is zeke nicholson uh you will have a good time guaranteed or your money back it's a free podcast i'm not gonna give you anything uh that is going to do it for the show, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up while Nick is trying to figure out when Danimal started. I can tell. I can see it in his eyes. If you know when Danimal started, we want to hear from you. Heck yeah, comics at gmail.com or tell us at heckyeahcomics.com. You can also find us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics to let us know. You can find me on Twitter under the username Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Also, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me with that name. You can find Nick uh going to the ancient temples of the yogurt gods and offering the sacrifice to learn the forbidden knowledge of the Danimals. And of course you can find us here next week. Same heck yeah time, same heck yeah channel until then. Goodbye. Worst episode ever. It was 1994.